excited to bring you a new season of the Just Admit It podcast. But first, a quick note before we get into the episode. We'll be answering listener questions throughout the season, so please submit any questions for our team of experts to podcast at ivywise.com. Thanks for tuning in, and now for the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Semester 5, Episode 4 of our Just Admit It podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give expert insight into the higher ed landscape. I'm Tasha, College Admissions Counselor and Academic Advisor at IvyWise, and former Admissions Officer at the University of Southern California and Assistant Director of Admissions at Boston University. Joining me today is my friend and fellow IvyWise colleague, Jonathan, who's an IvyWise Master Tutor, who studied at Princeton, Harvard, as well as Lund University in Sweden, and specializes in academic support for all levels of essay writing, as well as English, Spanish, French, history, and literature, among other subjects. In this episode, we're going to share advice on how students can improve their personal narrative writing skills. Okay, so we're just gonna hop in, but first, Jonathan, do you actually wanna just say hello? Of course, hi. Hey, Tasha, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. I'm doing well, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Greetings from Stockholm, Sweden. Amazing. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to just dive in and then Jonathan will uh, kind of give us us some of his own tips and, and then take it away from there. So my first tip about how to improve your personal narrative writing skills is pretty basic. That tip is to read. Now, I know that sounds a little bit obvious or it might sound a little bit confusing. If you want to write, why should you have to read? Um, I used to get frustrated when writing instructors and professors recommended reading as a way to improve my writing as well. I would think, why would I spend time reading when the goal is to write? Shouldn't I be spending time writing? Um, But it turns out in my experience that reading is a really great uh, and useful way to infinitely improve your writing. As you read, you actually kind of naturally pick up some of the skills or some of the strategies of what you're seeing on the page and what you're seeing writers to writers doing. Uh, So there's actually a concept or specific uh, writing improvement strategy, and it's called reading to write. So it's this form of reading that requires uh, a lot of attention uh, and requires the reader to really take their time in the reading process. So next time you pick up a book or, or an article or whatever it is that you're reading and you want to test out this particular strategy, uh, just consider this a tool um, and strategy that writers use and take take notes uh, while you're re- writing, sorry, while you're reading. Uh, so you can take notes in the margin. If you've ever uh, done annotations for something that you're reading for school, you can do that. Basically just really take stock of what the writer is doing to achieve their narrative, to achieve their point, if it's an article, um, and try to then use these these strategies in your own writing. Um, And ultimately, I think this will really improve your writing, uh, hands down, it's definitely improved mine. And after a while, reading to write kind of becomes uh, natural. I mean, even if you're not taking notes anymore, you become a much more conscious reader who's really noticing what's going on when you're reading and noticing um, what the writer is doing rather than just reading for comprehension. And that's really exciting when that becomes kind of like a natural uh, organic thing that you don't even realize you're doing. Uh, then 
you can also consider reading books about writing. <laughs> um, so in addition to reading, you know, fiction or nonfiction or whatever you like to read for fun, uh, you can also consider reading books um, that are actually essays themselves, like essay collections or memoirs, uh, personal narrative writing in general uh, can be really helpful, obviously, to then help you with your own personal narrative writing skills. I think often when high school students uh, arrive at the personal statement part of their common applications, uh, it might be the first time that they're being asked to write a personal essay, um, although I think high schools more and more are starting to assign that as a way to, to prepare students. But, um, you know, that's not typically what you're asked to write. Uh, usually in school, you're writing expository and persuasive essays or other uh, kind of more academic writing. And so naturally, um, if you haven't really been exposed to personal essay writing, it's going to be a lot harder to, to just start doing it from scratch. And so reading personal essays and reading memoirs and reading personal narrative in general uh, is, is an excellent way to apply the skill that I just talked about or the strategy that I just talked about reading to write, because then you're actually reading the exact same kinds of personal narratives that you're then going to be writing for your personal statement and for some of your supplements as well. Then the other kind of reading I would recommend, uh, if you have time, especially if you're an underclassman or uh, if you have some time left this summer before school gets started, is reading about writing. So there are so many books out there about personal narrative and essay writing that can just kind of give you some more concrete tips and strategies and, and um, you know, really even outline kind of the basic uh, elements of narrative and plot and character and all of that if you're someone who really requires or, or wants uh, some more instruction. A classic that I've read um, and been instructed or recommended in many writing courses is called The Situation and the Story by Vivian Gornick. Um, and this is a really important and really useful uh, kind of instruct instruction manual or it's not a manual, of course, but it kind of can function as that, although it's very entertaining and well-written and fun to read. Uh, but Vivian Gornick here really focuses on the idea that there are two separate things going on in a personal narrative. There's a situation. The situation is, you know, the basic facts of something. So the situation can be that you are speaking to your grandparent and that grandparent is telling you um, something about their past and you're learning about your family history. But the story is the meaning behind that. It's, uh, you know, the kind of universal meaning behind that. So you're sitting with your grandparent, they're telling you the story, but the story of that situation is that you're learning about your family history and it is making you reflect about X, Y, Z, which is leading you to X, Y, Z conclusion. So it's really kind of the so what. And that's what Vivian Gornick really breaks down in the situation in the story. Another recommendation I would give is called Storycraft, The Complete Guide to Writing Narrative Nonfiction. That one's by Jack Hart. And this one takes a little bit more of a scientific view on um, personal narrative crafting. It's a little bit more um, less, less flowery and a little bit more prescriptive if, if that's something that helps you. And uh, it makes suggestions based on how narrative works in the brain. Uh, so that's a really interesting one if you're a little bit more um, scientifically minded and wanna learn how to write 
specifically for how your reader's brain will work. It's an interesting one. And then Jonathan, do you have any recommendations to add? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fantastic tip so far, by the way, Tasha. Um, I would just uh, also recommend, uh, and this is a book that I use with my AP English and Composition students, uh, but it would work perfectly for this context as well. And it's uh, called The Norton Sampler Reader, Short Essays for Composition by, I believe the author is Thomas Cooley. Uh, I think the latest edition is the 10th edition, um, but it's just phenomenal. It includes essays from so many different cultures and even time periods that really explore various angles of the narrative personal essay approach. Um, and it even includes a section with student essays. So, you know, you really could glean some best practices already from that book. So can really recommend it. And also just have a look for uh, any samples of student essays which have been published. Um, you know, those could be a source of best practices as well, maybe inspiration or a model of sorts. Uh, yeah, that's about it for me. Tasha, any more tips about, uh, you know, reading uh, and <laughs> about writing? Um, no, I think that's it from me in terms of reading. Thanks, Jonathan. So I have a few other tips before Jonathan kind of takes it away with some of his pro tips uh, of really kind of breaking down the essay structure. Uh, and one of those tips is journaling. So I've already recommended reading and now I'm going to recommend writing, uh, but not actually writing the personal statement or supplements right off the bat, uh, but writing for yourself. So if you already have a journaling practice, congratulations, you're ahead of the game. Um, and if, if that's the case, you know, I definitely recommend going back to some of your old journals or your current journal um, and reading. I know that that can be a little bit um, tough or, or can be a little bit embarrassing depending how far back you're going. Um, or it can also be really funny uh, to remember some old memories of things that have happened. Uh, but it's really helpful for brainstorming as you're heading into thinking about your personal statement and your supplements, um, because you might not remember certain things things or, um, you know, especially details around specific events, if that's the kind of detailed journaling that you've done. Um, you might be a little bit more like me, where you, you have a somewhat regular journaling practice, but you don't write down you know, everything that's ever happened to you. It's more that you journal uh, when you're feeling particularly emotional about something, whether it's good or bad. And so that can still be helpful um, to think back, you know, what are, what are some events or things that have happened that were significant enough for you to journal? If that's the kind of journal, journaler <laughs> that you are, uh, that can definitely still be helpful in, um, you know, helping you remember, you know, what has, has gone on and what you might want to be writing about depending on which prompts you select. Uh, you'll really be surprised, I think, about the nuggets that you might find from your past self. And uh, you might reflect on those nuggets from your past differently now, which can in itself be uh, material for, for an essay. Now, if you're someone who doesn't already journal, I definitely consider starting. It's never too late. I don't think I started journaling really consistently until college. Uh, so it's definitely never too late and, and never too late, even if 
you know, you're a senior in high school right now, or you're a rising senior and you're already starting your essay writing, uh, journaling can absolutely still help you in the process uh, because it's going to help you brainstorm. It's going to help you get used to writing about yourself and writing in the first person and in your own voice. Um, another thing I'll say is that journals can, of course, be very personal. You know, I talked about, uh, you know, writing when you're feeling really emotional about something. So I'm certainly not saying that you should include everything you would write in a journal in your personal statement or in your supplements. Um, of course, you know, we all have our boundaries and you definitely don't need to be writing, uh, you know, your innermost thoughts and, and emotions. However, I do think that journaling regularly will get will get you used to writing about yourself regularly and then we'll make writing about yourself for your applications feel a little bit more natural and then again you know like i said it is a really great brainstorming tool then i would also say that if you're new to journaling and are thinking about getting started especially if you're a senior you might even consider keeping a journal documenting your actual experience going through the college application process um, I think that this could be just helpful in general, at least, you know, at least if you're someone who uh, processes things through writing or if you want to test that out as, as a strategy, uh, it can really help you, I think, alleviate stress in the process, you know, to reflect about what the process is feeling like, how things are going. And then I think ultimately can really help you brainstorm ideas for your essays. Um, I know that sounds a little bit surprising, you know, you're writing about the process, but you might learn new things about yourself or um, make some connections through those reflections. I think really reflecting uh, is, is a big part of journal writing and that can really help, I think, with ideas of, of general themes for um, larger essays. Now, if writing is something that you struggle with, I have one more um, recommendation, and that's consider taking a personal narrative or essay writing class. And actually, this is a recommendation whether it's something you struggle with or not. You know, it's certainly something that um, anyone can do, even if they already feel like writing is a strong suit for them. Uh, but I definitely don't want to make it sound like this is a requirement in any way. You know, I know students are already very, very busy with their actual high school coursework and continuing to be successful in, in their academic achievements and coursework is, is a number one priority. So definitely don't do this if you don't have the time or capacity to take it on. Uh, but if you do, or if you're looking for that extra support, there are a ton of online and in-person classes out there. Uh, that focus specifically on personal narrative writing, whether they focus only on essay or on memoir or combination of both. Um, Coursera has a specialization uh, provided by Wesleyan University that actually includes four different classes. It's called Memoir and Personal Essay, Writing About Yourself. Uh, you can take one of the classes, two of the classes, you can take all four. Um, and this will really give you all the tools you need to learn to do this kind of writing and gain the skills to do it well. And um, I believe all the courses are self-paced. They provide like a, a rough outline of, you know, how long you should be taking to do them, but they're asynchronous, which means you can um, log in at any time. So that's a very flexible option. Then edX and uh, Udemy also have classes, uh, a variety of classes on personal narrative writing and Roxanne Gay even offers a master class on the subject if that's uh, something you have a subscription for. 
Now, if you want to do something a little bit less online, um, I can imagine, you know, having lived so online for the last couple of years, it can be exciting to do something more interactive and in, in person. Um, and if you live in an area where there is a writing school, definitely look into it. A lot of the writing schools out there provide young adult programming um, that's specific to teens. Uh, one that I can think of is Grub Street based out of Boston. And they have a great, really strong teen writing program with a ton of different writing classes available. And they do have some online options as well if you're not based in Boston. All right, so that's all for me. Um, Jonathan, if you wanna take it away. Thanks so much, Tasha. Uh, yeah, I mean, my first tip here is just going to build on what Tasha has already been saying, um, and that's brainstorming. So I'm really big into metaphors. And so I kind of just want to unpack this one a little bit, just so you can really see what brainstorming really is and how it can help you. So if you really think about it, think about the kind of winning narrative ideas being like the thunder, right? In a, in a thunderstorm. And you kind of just sort of have to sift through the clouds and the rain, right? That's your other ideas and experiences. But if you really go thoroughly through this brainstorming process, you're going to get that thunder, right? So it's really an important stage in the writing process. Uh, and to add to that, I would just say that you might consider doing some mind mapping, which may work especially well for more visually oriented students, right? And, and this mind mapping approach could really help you to uncover patterns and make relationships clearer uh, that would then translate to more clear uh, writing. Um, and I can also say that brainstorming doesn't necessarily need to be a solitary endeavor, right? Uh, you can perfectly well, you know, sit down and have a chat with a family member or a close friend and ask them for memorable, funny, interesting anecdotes about you. So that, you know, in addition to the journaling that Tasha said earlier, getting these insights from the people who know you and care about you can also really enhance your, uh, you know, your brainstorming process and really uh, make for much richer uh, essays. Uh, Tasha, did, is there anything you wanted to add at all about this? Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. So I did want to add uh, just a little tip here that I'm sure you've all heard at some point from a teacher here or there. And that's to really make sure that um, as you're going into your writing and brainstorming, you're thinking about the situation in the story, which I already kind of briefly mentioned, which is Vivian Gornick's uh, kind of concept that you should be going for the story and not just the situation. And another way to describe this, a similar concept, is to show and not tell. And that's the one that you've probably heard before. And I've heard some students get really frustrated with this advice because it's, it feels like, you know, a little prescriptive. It feels like something that, you know, teachers are always saying and they're not quite getting right. But I think once you get the concept, it'll kind of just click. Kind of like if you're learning a new language or studying a new piece of music or anything like that, there's kind of a moment where it really starts to click. Um, so remember that showing is kind of like when you're just, or sorry, telling is kind of like the situation where you're just describing a situation. You're telling someone what's going on. Like in that example I gave first about just telling someone that you're speaking with a grandparent and then showing is telling them the story fully using different, um, 
concepts like setting, detail, character, plot. You're actually showing them what's going on rather than just telling them. So that could include dialogue. It could include, um, you know, it's, it's really creating a scene often rather than just describing that scene. Absolutely. Um, I'm definitely going to have to second that, uh, you know, show, don't tell is so important. And I'll come back to that again in a bit. Um, but, you know, also I think it's important for us to think about working with prompts. Right. Uh, and one of my biggest tips here for my AP students that I work with uh, at IvyWise is AP means answer the prompt. Right. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't be creative. Right. Uh, you really should be. Um, but you need to make sure that you're sticking to what's expected in the prompt if there is one. Um, and speaking of which, uh, so, you know, for many of you working with the Common App uh, essay prompts, you know, they have released the 2022 and 2023 prompts. Uh, and Tasha and I are going to go through those one on one and kind of tease out some tips for you. But uh, what I would like to just hint at now and I'll. Uh, unpack this a bit more later is that it's absolutely possible to reverse engineer these prompts but why don't we go ahead and just jump into the prompts uh so the one big one that you'll see is uh worded this way some students have a background identity interest or talent that is so meaningful that they believe their application would be incomplete without it if this sounds like you then please share your story Tasha, I know you have some ideas about this. Yeah, so I'm going to be chiming in a little bit with each prompt, um, and we don't want to spend too time, too much time on each one, but just want to kind of recommend that this, if you choose this prompt, um, it's because this should be really a, an opportunity to expand on an element of your identity or a passion or niche or interest that you haven't already made very apparent elsewhere on your application. I think that's a mistake that sometimes students make where they really, really double down on things, maybe a little too much. Um, of course, you want to have a cohesive narrative, uh, you know, throughout your application, but just make sure that you use your personal statement as an opportunity to uh, introduce yourself to an admissions committee or an application reader uh, beyond what might be already very apparent on your application. Uh, so you should be really diving deeply into the topic and providing narrative um, and not necessarily just kind of presenting something that's already made clear. Exactly. Uh, and here, here's another prompt that, you know, you'll, you'll see when you look at the common app prompts. The lessons we take from obstacles we encounter can be fundamental to later success. Recount a time when you faced a challenge, setback, or failure. How did it affect you? And what did you learn from the experience? Yeah, so I think for this one, my, my admissions advice would be to make sure that this is something you can really expand on and that it doesn't come off as like just overly negative or like a complaint, right? So these are kind of, um, you know, once you start doing interviews for, for different opportunities in college or even interviews for college, or some schools have an interview option or requirement, uh, you're going to be asked this question a lot. Um, it's kind of a question, you know, tell me about a challenge or a setback and how you overcame 
entertainment. And it's kind of a little bit of a double-edged sword or it feels like a trick question, but it's really not. Uh, the, the key here, or the trick, is really to make sure that, of course, you answer the question by giving a legitimate challenge, setback, failure. Um, but then always to take it back to how you overcame it, how it turned into something positive. What kind of resolution did you find? Um, and definitely always ultimately having a future facing conclusion. So looking toward the future in a positive way. I think the biggest mistake students might make here is to get stuck in the negative and to never really turn it around. Definitely. And here's another prompt that I think really leaves room for a lot of nuance and complexity. Uh, so it goes, reflect on a time when you questioned or challenged a belief or idea. What prompted your thinking? And what was the outcome? So what is it about this prompt that that um, you think provides a nuance, Jonathan? Can you expand on that? Yeah, of course. So, you know, I think here you are able to really show the uh, admissions committee that, you know, you're a complex person, right? And your ideas change and you're a critical thinker, right? That when presented with new evidence, you're very willing and open-minded to reassess the way you think. So I think this is a one of you know many prompts where you really can sort of tease out that human aspect of how you kind of learn and grow. What do you think, Tasha? Great. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add is, uh, you know, an important part of this prompt is that it says to reflect on a time. Uh, so you do just want to be sure to, to stick to that and to choose one particular event or maybe even an, an era of your life that has a thematic um, consistency. Uh, and that means that you should then, you know, choose this particular event as an anchor and tell and develop the narrative of the essay around that or with that. Yeah, definitely important to, to keep it focused. And I'll definitely come back to that a bit later with my writing tips. But, um, and, you know, and this next prompt here um, is one that I think seems to be pretty commonly chosen by students, but can also be a bit difficult. Um, and that and it goes like this. Reflect on something or uh, sorry, something that someone has done for you that has made you happy or thankful in a surprising way. How has this gratitude affected or motivated you? And what I could just say is, obviously the focus here is gratitude. So it already gives you a very, you know, uh, yeah, focused uh, prompt. But when it comes to writing about someone else, just be careful that you don't lose too much focus. Um, and again, I will definitely come back to this uh, later with, you know, keeping the scope focused. But uh, remember that at the end, it really still has to be about you. But uh, yeah, I know Tasha that you have some think that here. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is that uh, I think this prompt can be a little bit tricky and Jonathan's right. I think it's uh, common to choose um, is that sometimes students will choose something and, and then not really be as reflective about it as the prompt kind of dictates. Um, so, you know, they'll say what they're thankful or happy for, but it won't necessarily be surprising. And that's definitely part of the prompt says in a surprising way. And then they might not really um, reflect as much about, you know, how it affected or motivated them. So this is a two part prompt. It's really important to always make sure that you address both parts of the prompt. So if you choose this, uh, make sure that whatever that specific something or someone you choose is, is uh, something that was surprising to you and then something that you're gonna be able to reflect on in, um, 
reflect on how that affected or motivated you toward the future. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, very important to keep it focused. Uh, and so with this next prompt, again, we're with the theme of personal growth and development. And the prompt goes, discuss an accomplishment, event, or realization that sparked a period of personal growth and a new understanding of yourself or others. What's your experience with this prompt, Ben, Tasha? Yeah, so I think that this one is similar to the challenge or belief prompt that we saw a few prompts ago. Um, so even though for this one, you don't necessarily have to choose one singular time or event that sparked that period of growth, um, it is a great prompt for someone who experienced maybe one particular event or an, a particular like change, like changing schools, um, getting the lead in the school play that maybe changed your perspective on yourself or your capacity as a performer, something like that, where there's like kind of a shift throughout your high school uh, trajectory. Um, so it's really an opportunity to write about change over time. Um, be careful if you're writing about a realization, uh, you do want to make sure that you're writing about the specific event that led to that realization. Uh, so really making sure that you're writing a scene, kind of really describing what elements kind of played into that realization. So again, going back to what Jonathan keeps um, reminding us of is that staying focused is, is really important for this one as well. Right. And, you know, notice how each prompt really is conducive to writing uh, a story, you know, again, a focus story, but um, they're all meant to really be um, avenues for you to really explore in depth something that's meaningful to you and your life. And that says something about who you are. So uh, with that said, another prompt here uh, is describe a topic, idea or concept you find so engaging that it makes you lose all track of time. Why does it captivate you? What or whom do you turn to when you want to learn more? What do you think of this one, Tasha? I think this I think this essay is a great opportunity if you want to write about a particular passion. Uh, if you're someone who, you know, is really, really interested in all kinds of things and go down rabbit holes uh, on the internet when you find out about something or you get really excited about new things, uh, this could be a good topic for you. Uh, but the key here is to, to choose one thing and really stick to it. I think sometimes students try to choose multiple interests um, and until, you know, sometimes students think that the more they say, the more interesting they'll be. But actually, I think that depth for this essay is much more important than breadth. Um, and also the actual prompt does say pick a topic, idea or concept. So you want to make sure you're following directions. So you're just choosing one thing. Right. And the very last prompt that you'll see in the common apps, you know, list of prompts is uh, one that says share an essay on any topic of your choice. It can be one you've already written, one that responds to a different prompt, or one of your own design. So this one you want to be careful with, right? Um, you, you have to realize that, and you know, I'm sure Tasha can confirm this, that admissions counselors have really seen it all and read it all. So the maybe risk with this one is, trying to really find that gem of, you know, a rare prompt, like, oh, I'm going to give them something that they've never seen before, but they probably have. And, um, you know, 
if you really, really can't get your you know, story across through one of the other prompts, then sure, this one would be worth considering. But uh, yeah, I think this is one to be a little bit more careful with. What do you think about that, Tasha? Yeah, I would say that this is probably the least common prompt that students choose because it is so open-ended and, and really the rest of the prompts are quite open-ended as well. And that can be challenging, you know, to just have a blank page and a prompt. Um, so this is the ultimate version of that. It's basically a blank prompt. Uh, so I, I agree with Jonathan, um, you know, definitely don't choose this prompt as a as a way to try to impress admissions officers. It's definitely not something we're going to pay attention to um, as, as like an extra point or anything like that. Um, so again, yeah, just choose this if you really can't fit your answer into another prompt. Um, but I would say it's it's a slightly riskier choice. Um, but, you know, of course, it's a challenge that, you know, some of you might feel up to. So just, um, you know, really consider the other prompts first before you go for this one. Definitely. Uh, thanks so much, Tasha. So now we're going to get into the section of our, you know, discussion here where I'm going to get into the actual nitty gritty of writing, right, regardless of the prompt, you know, some things that you should really be thinking about. And so I'll start off by uh, talking about uh, really planning the outline and structure of your writing and, you know, brainstorming, like I said earlier, and Tasha said earlier, is an important way to get that started. Um, and now note that you can use a traditional sort of intro, two or three body paragraphs and conclusion structure if that works for you, right? That's what you're used to writing in, in high school, but you definitely should not feel constrained to that. You can absolutely be creative and try something a bit more free form. And that's where Tasha's earlier tip about, you know, reading about writing and, and reading examples of personal narrative essays will come in handy because you can really see some actual examples of how people have done that that might not fall into that, you know, cookie cutter intro body paragraph conclusion structure. Um, but if you do kind of go that slightly more traditional route, then just consider that the introduction should really be a hook to catch the reader's attention and, and motivate them to read further. Right. And then the body of your essay really should be the substance of your story. Right. The who, what, where, when and how of your story. But remember, you're not just telling a story. Right. So uh, the situation in the story that Tasha talked about earlier, um, which leads me to the end of your essay. Right. Uh, it really should be te teasing out the deeper takeaways or lessons from your story. Right. In other words, the why of your story or the so what, right? What um, significant or interesting message about yourself and who you are and what you value does this story help to communicate? You can either um, start with the story and then tease out the key takeaways or work backwards, right? Uh, think about what you want to communicate and then tell a story that helps you get those points across. This is what I meant earlier by reverse engineering the prompt, right? So really there is no right answer here. Whatever works best for you, uh, go with that approach. Now, um, yeah, I, I would also just add that if you, um, you know, where to go that more traditional route where, you know, you're starting off with an intro, just make sure that the reader has a solid idea of what to expect right from the get go. Right. 
uh, Tasha, I know you have experience, you know, on your end reading these essays. Why is this so important? Of course. So as an essay reader myself, um, I think it's really important to get to the point, so to speak, uh, as soon as you can. So I know that, uh, you know, often uh, teachers and, and if you're working with anyone to, to brainstorm essays like or even listening to us, you know, we would recommend that a um, engaging kind of hook paragraphs, whatever your first paragraph is, is important to kind of pull the reader in with something narrative based, ideally, like a scene or dialogue even. But then immediately you want to make sure you have a couple of sentences where you kind of give the main idea or like thesis or um, kind of the base of what your essay is about right away in that second paragraph or at the end of your first paragraph, just to make sure that um, the reader, the admissions reader can understand what your essay is about right away. Just remembering that, um, you know, of course, admissions readers are often reading many, many essays a day and aren't able to, um, you know, buckle down on one essay for too, too long, typically, uh, and don't want to have to be playing, you know, mental gymnastics to understand what your essay is about. Absolutely. Right. And keep in mind, this is a narrative essay, right? So, you know, along the way, I've been mentioning the sort of traditional, you know, five paragraph essay approach that, you know, a lot of you um, have definitely been using in high school. Um, but again, this can be more creative than that. And you absolutely can try other approaches. Um, right. So in different types of essays, right, getting uh, your idea across from the get go, you know, that might look like having a clear thesis statement. Right. Uh, but here, you know, just make sure that, you know, early on in your intro, ideally right away, the reader really understands uh, what they're about to read. Right. What the story is going to be about. Now, that doesn't mean that you uh, have to steal your own thunder. Right. To go back to that brainstorming metaphor from earlier. You can definitely still keep any interesting twists for later in the essay, you know, if you have any, but if the reader doesn't know where you're going with it by the time they've read the first paragraph or so, you really need to consider revising just to make sure that this is as clear as possible. Now, you know, once you're past the intro or just the beginning of your story, you want to guide the reader or signpost along the way, right? So, you know, think of helpful topic sentences or just sort of making sure that the key, let's say, elements of your story are, uh, you know, really clear for the reader uh, along the way. Uh, and you'll also want to consider using uh, transitions so that the different elements of the story flow smoothly and seamlessly, right? Um, and you know, as I've mentioned earlier, uh, you really want to make sure that you keep the scope manageable and focused, right? You know, you absolutely can bring up a handful of relevant points, um, you know, that are relevant to your story, but really want to avoid going all over the place or unfortunately you're going to lose your reader. Right. And then, you know, as you kind of near the end of the essay, you really want to think about ending with a bang, right? Just as the intro needs to catch the reader's attention. The conclusion, especially the last sentence or so, really needs to be memorable, right? So think of it this way. The goal in the conclusion is not just to tie everything together and give your story closure, although obviously those are very important, but also you really want to strive to make the reader think, wow, that was incredible, 
right? You'll want them to leave the experience feeling that it was not only worthwhile reading your story, but that they'd actually want to meet you and learn more about you, that you'd be a great addition to the diversity of their student body, right? And, you know, just to build on something Tasha said earlier, you know, you really should be writing in the first person, right? This is your story. Even if you do focus on someone else, right? Sometimes students write about relatives or, you know, significant people in their lives, but still make sure that you bring it back to the story's impact on your life, right? Because that's, that's who is trying to get into college, right? At the end of the day. Um, and, you know, I can only echo uh, what we've already talked about earlier with the show, don't tell principle, right? Um, and, you know, I would just add to that, you know, make sure that you paint a picture with words, right? Be vivid and descriptive, you know, consider descriptions that rely on the five senses, right? You might want to think about what did the setting look like? Was it hot, cold? What were you feeling in that moment? Was there a distinctive smell? All of these details paint a much richer picture for the reader. Uh, you can't include any actual images, so help your reader see them through your words. Now, this uh, next example, it, it kind of builds on that last point about painting a picture with words. And it's sometimes phrased this way. Don't write words, write music. And the point here is that you should consider varying the sentence length. Uh, now, I know, Tasha, you have a, a thought on this, so, you know, feel free um, what should they think about with uh, the varying sentence lengths? Sure. So I just want to kind of give a warning to, to be careful to not write sentences that are too long. I think sometimes uh, students will think, you know, the longer my sentence, the, the more complex my writing will seem or, um, you know, that the writing will be stronger, seem more intellectual or advanced if the sentences are longer, but sometimes, um, you know, sentences can run on, be run on sentences, you've probably heard that term before. So I would try to keep your sentences down to two to three clauses at most, and just really be careful with grammar there. You know, I'd rather the grammar be correct and strong in a shorter sentences, sentence, excuse me, <laughs> or, or very, then very, very long and confusing in a long sentence. Absolutely. And, you know, just to really kind of drive this point home. So here's a classic example from American writer and writing instructor Gary Provost. Right. So I, I should also add that it's really helpful to see this one, like, you know, look it up um, and you'll see the way the sentences uh, really differ and how they work together. Um, but, you know, since you can really only listen to us right now, be sure to listen for the rhythm and the music uh, in his writing and, and let it inspire you in your own writing. Obviously, keeping Tasha's tip of, you know, keeping things not too big, you know, two clauses, three. Um, but but the variation really can have a pleasant effect um, on the ears or eyes, let's say, of the uh, admissions counselor. So he, here's the uh, example from, uh, as I said earlier, Gary Provost. So he writes, this sentence has five words. Here are five more words. Five word sentences are fine, but several together become monotonous. Listen to what is happening. The writing is getting boring. The sound of it drones. It's like a stuck record. The ear demands some variety. Now listen. I vary the sentence length and I create music. Music. The writing sings. 
It has a pleasant rhythm, a lilt, a harmony. I use short sentences and I use sentences of medium length. And sometimes when I am certain the reader is rested, I will engage him, her, or them with a sentence of considerable length, a sentence that burns with energy and builds with all the impetus of a crescendo, the roll of the drums, the clash of the cymbals, sounds that say, listen to this, it is important. So write with a combination of short, medium, and long sentences. Create a sound that pleases the reader's ear. Don't just write words, write music. I really love that example. And I really hope that, you know, you find a little inspiration there to, you know, think about varying your sentence lengths uh, so that it can be you know, a bit more creative uh, for the reader as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, just some some more uh, writing tips I have here. Um, and this is connected to what I said earlier about AP answer the prompt is make sure that you respect the word count right? And any other given guidelines. Um, you know, it's really important that you don't go over, you know, you really think about it as respecting the, uh, the admissions counselor's time, right? Um, and also, as I said earlier, you know, uh, connect with friends, family, teachers, counselors, tutors, right? And not just in the initial brainstorming phase, but throughout the writing process, you know, a fresh pair of eyes can really provide valuable feedback. And their input can really help us when we have tunnel vision with our own writing, right? If we're sitting with our own writing and we're the only ones looking at it, after a while, we begin to miss things. So this is where, you know, someone else's input can really help. Um, and, you know, this next tip, and I can't stress this enough, is proofread, 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 right? The spelling, formatting, grammar, et cetera, should be as polished as possible. Otherwise, they risk detracting from the content. Right. So the key takeaway here is that form and content are both important. Right. You know, you want to tell a great story, but you want to make sure that nothing gets in the way of that in terms of typos and, and kind of grammar that, you know, you definitely could proofread ahead of time. Um, and yeah, I mean, just consider that the writing process is, you know, um, it's a process, right? So you want to take your time with it. You know, you want to write multiple drafts, go back and revise, maybe with the feedback you've gotten from others, right? You know, the idea of practice makes perfect can also apply to writing, but you know, I don't want you to think about it as achieving perfection. Like that's not the goal necessarily, but, but what you do want to achieve though, is the very best draft that you can, which does take time and effort. Um, and yeah, so at this point, I just have some kind of more general tips and reflections, right? And uh, I know Tasha has some ideas as well here. So, you know, the first one I can say is that it's okay to be honest and vulnerable, right? Um, this is this is okay. Uh, Tasha, you want to add something here, right? Yeah, so I agree with Jonathan. It's definitely okay to be honest and vulnerable, but I do want to, uh, you know, not only is it okay, but I think it's... Uh, you know, like, of course, there, there's going to be like a, a sense of, uh, you know, respect, like, the, 
you know, you're feeling comfortable enough to, to be honest and vulnerable like that. But at the same time, I think it's really important to not feel pressured to uh, reveal too much or to necessarily be, you know, 100% vulnerable to, to, you know, a group of strangers that, that you're going to be sending these essays to. Um, because I do think that, you know, more and more in today's college admissions landscape, there might be the sense that, um, you know, students have to reveal, you know, their innermost uh, vulnerabilities, um, you know, sharing traumatic stories or, or sharing, you know, all of their adversities and that that's something that needs to be done um, to strengthen your application. And I just want to take the time to say that I don't agree with that sentiment. And I think, you know, as someone who has read many applications, um, I really want to encourage students to only share what they feel comfortable sharing um, and to not try to, uh, you know, exaggerate or hyperbolize um, you know, anything that has happened to them to make it, you know, more traumatic or more uh, adverse seeming. So really just, of course, be honest, but only, um, you know, as vulnerable as you feel comfortable. And, um, you know, if sharing your traumas is something that, you know, you're feeling comfortable with in some way, um, you know, of course, doing so, but as honestly um, as possible without any kind of, you know, um, dressing up in any way. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Tasha. You know, obviously, and this is, you know, case by case basis for every student, do what you feel comfortable with and what feels um, safe for you. Um, and, you know, obviously there are a lot of different prompts and different story opportunities. So, you know, you absolutely could, you know, consider a different avenue if that feels more uh, appropriate or more right for you. Um, and, you know, just to build on what we've been saying, uh, you definitely want to make sure you're being authentic and genuine, right? So uh, this essay is about you, right? Um, and you know, if your you know family or or friends, you know, close friends, were to have a look at this but not know that you wrote it, they should be able to know. Oh yeah, you know, they know who wrote this, right? And that's your authenticity and and you know genuineness coming through. Um, and just a more general tip, but, you know, obviously these past few years, we've been through a lot with the, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, but you might consider avoiding this um, topic for your essay just because it's been overdone, right? You know, especially the past few years, like a lot of students have chosen to write about it. Um, but that being said, if you do have something pandemic related to say, the Common App um, has an optional COVID-19 question in the additional information section. So that would be the place for it if you do decide to bring it up. Um, and honestly, finally, the last tip I want to leave you with here is just have fun with this, right? This is your time to shine and, and showcase something that makes you unique and stand out from the rest. Right. And obviously you, you may be overwhelmed with everything else in the application process and, you know, school and also hopefully trying to live a life in addition to all of this. So, you know, really, instead of seeing this as like a chore, try to, you know, make the best of the situation and, and make it fun. Right. And uh, hopefully that'll get you through it and, you know, help you write the best story that you possibly can. Right. Um, do you have any final thoughts, Tasha? I would just agree with you there, Jonathan. I know sometimes it sounds a little bit like annoying, like, oh, what do you mean have fun? But I definitely agree. I mean, with anything that you do, um, you know, definitely try to see the, the positive in it. And I think, 
you know, ultimately we, we all love talking about ourselves, right? And this is, this is a similar uh, version of that is writing about yourself. And um, I think really think being positive about it and taking it as an opportunity to be self-reflective and maybe even discover a new passion, which might be personal narrative writing. Um, definitely, you know, go, go in, go, go into it with as positive of an attitude as you can would be kind of my last, my last recommendation. And, and thank you so much for, for being here with us and for listening to, to our tips for personal narrative writing. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tasha. And that just about wraps up this episode. Thank you for tuning in to Just Admit It. Catch up on all of our previous episodes by visiting our podcast page and be sure to bookmark our knowledge base for additional help with navigating the complex and competitive admissions landscape. In our next episode, we're going to share advice on whether the reach target likely list is becoming more of a spectrum. So if you have any questions about building your school list, email them to us at podcast at ivywise.com so that we can try to address your most pressing questions. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for more higher ed resources. Thanks so much, Tasha, and thank you all for listening.